So what's in a name, huh? Ever thought about that? We're going to answer that question as we look at Genesis chapter 17 this morning. So if you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 17. And we begin reading in verse 1 in Jesus' name. Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Jump down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and and laughed and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this season next year. When he finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. We know that your word is true. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth this day, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Lord Jesus, to you belongs all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. For we pray in your name. Amen. How many times in your lifetime have you been asked, what is your name? If you are as old as I am, approaching 60 in a couple years, probably hundreds of times people have asked me, what is your name? And when I was asked my name as a child, I really didn't like to say my name. And I think part of the reason was because there were way too many nursery rhymes with Peter in it. Like, here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail, or Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, had a wife and couldn't keep her, or Peter Rabbit, and all these things. And it got to the point, I really didn't like my name. I thought maybe I could could have ended up with a, you know, a, a cooler name, a better name, like Toivo or Eno or something like that, something really neat, you know. 
But now, when I hear my name, or when someone asks me, what is your name, I often think of the meaning of my name. Most of you probably know that Peter means rock. Hopefully not rock-headed, but rock being something that is firm, something that is solid. And it is my prayer that I would be a rock-solid believer in Jesus. That standing on Him, faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, that that foundation of my life would make me like a rock. In American culture today, I don't know if most people even know what their name means. I would imagine many of you do know what your name means, but I would imagine that a lot of people don't even know the meaning of their name. But in biblical times, the meaning of a name had great significance. And this is especially true when someone's name was changed. We have several examples of that in Scripture. Jacob being changed to Israel, Cephas being changed to Peter. And as we look at our text today, we see an illustration of of four new names. And all four of these names say something about God. One of the names is God Almighty. First time that's ever used in Scripture in verse 1. And then we have the name Abraham, changed from Abram. And then we have the name Sarah. And then we have the birth of a baby by the name of Isaac. And all four of those names have something to say about God. The first name we find, the first new name, is the name God Almighty. And that name emphasizes the power of the God who creates lives. Verse 1, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Now notice this name was given to Abram when he was 99 years old. So from the last verse of chapter 16, when Ishmael was born, until the first verse of chapter 17, a period of 13 years had gone by. And if you go back to the time when God called Abraham to follow him, when Abraham was 75, now 24 years have gone by. That's older than many of you here today, longer than you've ever lived, 24 years. And so Abraham had now waited about a quarter of a century for God's promise of a son to be fulfilled, and nothing happened. And just imagine that, waiting one year, and then two years, and then three years, and then five years, and then ten years, and twenty years. Finally, now twenty-four years, and nothing had happened. If you were Abram, would you have wondered if God's promise would ever be fulfilled? He is getting older. Sarah is getting older. She has never been able to conceive. They've waited all these years. I can't help but think that Abraham is wondering, will this ever happen? Will this promise ever be fulfilled? But then God appeared to this 99-year-old patriarch. And it's interesting to notice then that God 
addresses him with a new name, a name that we haven't seen yet in Scripture, the name God Almighty, the Hebrew El Shaddai. It's interesting, that name El Shaddai is found 48 times in the Old Testament. And this first occurrence of this name came at a very important time. When it appeared as if all hope was gone. When it looked like this promise of a, of a son to, to Abraham, it, it looked like it, would, it just wasn't going to happen. God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I want to remind you who I am. I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. And therefore, this promise that I have made to you, I will have no problem to keep. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely not. El Shaddai. Romans chapter 4 was read this morning, and I just want to read a couple of those verses again. Romans 4, verses 19 through 21. Listen to what Paul says about this. He says, Without becoming weak in faith, he, Abraham, contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. It didn't matter that their bodies were now as good as dead, because God had the power to keep his word. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty, and He has the power to create life. We have a couple other names. Abraham and Sarah. And these names emphasize the sovereignty of the God who changes lives. The sovereignty of the God who changes lives. The names that Abraham and Sarah had been given when they were born were Abram and Sarai. And these names were obviously given to them by their parents because that's what parents do, right? When kids are born, you give them a name. Um, Luke and Bethany just had a little baby girl a few weeks ago. We didn't bring it to a congregational vote, did we? Wouldn't that be interesting? A new baby's born and the congregation votes on giving them a name. We didn't do that, obviously. And when Adeline is baptized next week, I won't be giving her a new name either. Wouldn't that be shocking if I uh, gave a little baby a new name? We don't do that because mom and dad have the authority over that child to give that baby a name. And so when God changed the names of Abram and Sarai, it is a sign of God's authority over them. He is the sovereign God whose will for them was seen in their new names. Because God had a plan for their lives. Now look at verse 4. As for me, God said, behold, my covenant is with you. 
And you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. So the name Abraham means father of a multitude, because that's what God was calling him to be. This 100-year-old man was to become a father, and this 90-year-old woman was to become a mother. And from this old couple, God would bring nations and kings. Notice all the times that God says what he will do. Verse 2, I will establish my covenant between me and you. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant with you. Verse 8, I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojourn. This was the work of God. God said, this is what I will do. And that phrase, I will, is repeated over and over again to show Abraham that this is the miraculous, marvelous work of God. And I'm giving you a new name, Abraham, now, to show you what my plan and my purpose is for your life. You see, God had a right to change their names because He had a special plan for their lives. So let me ask you a question. Does God have a right to change your name? Does God have a right to do with your life as he sees fit? I think what Paul writes in Romans chapter 9, he talks about the potter and the clay. And he says that the potter has a right to do what, what, with what he wishes with that clay, to make that clay either a vessel unto honor or a common vessel. And so if God has made us, he has the right to do in our lives what He deems best. And that's sometimes then where we struggle, don't we? Because we want to have a certain amount of control. We want to have a certain amount of input as to what God is doing in our lives. Rather than just laying our life before the Lord and saying, Lord, You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, Lord. Use me as You would see fit. We tend to struggle with that because we come up with our own plans and, and then we realize we, we need God's blessing. So we say, okay, God, here's what I want you to do. Okay? okay? Is that okay, God? Rather than saying, Lord, I'm yours. God, do with me as you would desire. And so God has a right to do with us as He wants because He has created us. He is the sovereign God who changes the course of our lives. So the names Abraham and Sarah emphasize the sovereignty of the God who changes us. Then we have a fourth name here, God Almighty. Sarah, Abraham. And then we have the name of a little baby to be born, the name Isaac. 
And the name Isaac emphasizes the faithfulness of the God who brings joy to our lives. When God changed the name of Sarai to Sarah, he made it very clear to Abraham that Sarah would give birth to the son that he had promised. Look at verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And so Abraham hears this, and he's kind of wondering, well, Lord, how... How, how is this going to work? How, how is this going to happen? Uh, she's never been able to conceive. I'm a hundred. She's ninety. So notice his response. Verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And he said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man who is one hundred years old? And will Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. He said, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, God said, I've heard you. I will bless him. I'll make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. There are three times in Genesis where we see laughter in relationship with the birth of Isaac. And we just read about the first one where Abraham, Abraham now falls on his face before God and, and he laughs. He says, really? I'm a hundred? She's ninety? And you're going to give me a son through her? He, he laughs. And God did not rebuke him for this laugh. So we would evidently take it that it was a laugh of... What amazement, marveling at the fact that here this old couple would have a baby, that a 90-year-old woman would nurse a little child. (laughs) How can you not laugh at that? So Abraham laughed. And then if you jump ahead to the next chapter, Sarah laughs about it. Verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I bear a child when I'm so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? 
At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And then verse 15 says that Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh. The Lord says, yes, you did. You did. You laughed at this. And so there was a little different kind of a laugh because we, we, we see kind of a rebuke here. Are you saying, Sarah, that it is too difficult for me to give you a son? Are you doubting who I am? El Shaddai, the God Almighty? A bit of a rebuke there. And then in chapter 21, when Isaac was born, we see another reference to laughter. Chapter 21, verse 1, Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah, as he had promised, faithfulness to his word. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Isaac means laughter. They called him laughter. And, and notice what, what Sarah said, that everyone who hears will laugh with me. And if you think about it, does it not make you laugh when you think of a 100-year-old father and a 90-year-old mother? It's just like, how can you not laugh at that? Just picture that. Picture Abraham and Sarah, you know, going to the park with baby Isaac in the It'd have to be a combination walker-stroller, probably, right? You know, walking along there, 90 years old, and here's this little baby in there. People coming up to Sarah and saying, Oh, what a beautiful grandson you have. I beg your pardon, huh? This is not my grandson. This is my son. You've got to be kidding, huh? Whoa! Can't you imagine the laughter? Everyone who hears will laugh with me. From these two who, who Paul describes as good as dead. <laughs> as good as dead. Through these two, God brought life. Through these two, God brought the promised Son. Isaac, through whom the promise of a Savior would come. Jesus. Did you know that our lives today are really similar to the lives of Abraham and Sarah? 
we are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And apart from Jesus, we have no hope of life, do we? None. But I love how Paul describes what Jesus has done for us, what God has done for us. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's what we are, apart from Jesus. We are dead. We are lost. We are children upon whom God's wrath lays upon us, apart from Jesus. But I love the next phrase, but... God, huh? But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. That's the good news, isn't it? Those who are dead in sin, Become alive in Jesus. Because of His death and His resurrection, we enter into what Christ did. His death. His burial. His resurrection. Raised to newness of life through faith in Jesus. What's in a name, huh? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Do you know this, Jesus? Have you been brought from death to life? From darkness to light? From the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God? But God... Thank God for that phrase. Were it not for what God has done in Jesus, we'd be hopeless. But the seed of Abraham has come. The child of promise. This one who went all the way to the cross for us. Because of him, we have hope. We have life. We have heaven. We have forgiveness. We have joy. We have peace. And it's all wrapped up. In Jesus. The Bible says, To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No other way. And I pray that you know this Jesus who came to this earth for you, who took your sin to the cross paid the price that you might have eternal life freely given in Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you for what you did. Thank you for that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. 
There's just something about that name. I thank you, Lord, that we can claim the name of Jesus today. We can call ourselves Christians because by faith in Jesus, we are in him. We are in Christ. And in him, we have life eternally and life abundantly. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know Jesus, they would come to embrace this great Savior, this great gift of life by faith in the promise of what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for life eternal. And we pray in your name. Amen.